And now we take you to Chris Merrill. Yay! Excellent. He's in for Mike Broomhead today. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate that. Well done. Well expanded. Was the Thank news. you. Nice, nicely done. Nicely done all the way around. Look, yeah, a lot of people, uh, the rain starts coming down, and I know how, how slick the roads can get, and you've been listening to Detour Dan all morning talking about uh, the backups and the hangups and the uh, I-17 being closed because of snow and uh, the higher elevations and things like that. But i got to tell you, uh, this is the weather I'm here for. As it it, inconvenient as it is, we listen to the, the storm and everything that was going through the rest of the country uh, last week and uh, even through Christmas and, and early this week. And, uh, and we just kind of went, oh, that stinks. This is our winter storm. Uh, the reason you're here is because this is, this is the winter weather. This is it. You're not shoveling anything. Uh, you're not putting snow tires on your car. This is your winter I love when you have a high of 55. That, oh, God, that is Merrill weather. Oh, my goodness. I got the sweatshirt on and I'm loving it. It's a little it's a little rainy to be able to do any outdoor work today. I get that. But, man, this is the time where I just I get things done. I love it. I love it. I love it. love it. When July rolls around, I'm not setting foot outside outside at all unless I'm going to my car. That is it. Uh, but this, I'll take it every single day. I love it. Now, some of you are probably screaming because you just want sunshine 365, but uh, no, not me. I love it. I get a kick out of it. Uh, the big stories that broke yesterday um, uh, locally here, and it had some some national ripples, but for the most part, it, it's here, and that is the, the, the Carrie Lake news. We know that the verdict came in that she has to pay $33,000 in fees, but not the nearly $700,000 uh, that the the uh, the state was asking for. Uh, she basically, her camp is going to have to pay for the expert witnesses. And I know a lot of people get frustrated about expert witnesses making money on their testimony. That's it's kind of standard. Uh, and it's it's not as though you're being paid. Uh, for whatever reason, people conflate this as you're paying an expert witness to say what you want them to say. No, I'm paying an expert for the expert's time. Also, I'm not putting an expert on the stand that disagrees with my assessment, although that does happen on occasion where you'll have somebody take the stand as an expert witness and they sometimes contradict uh, whichever side for whom they're testifying. It could be the, the plaintiff or the, the defendant in other cases. But a lot of people are like, oh, you should never pay an expert witness. Well, how are you ever going to get an expert to show up if they're not being compensated for their time? It makes perfect sense. And it's like saying, oh, I can't believe you paid that lawyer to say what you wanted him to say. That's their job. They're a lawyer. So I don't have any problems with expert witnesses being paid. And I think it's reasonable that the, the late camp would have to uh, cover the cost of those expert witnesses when they brought this, uh, when they brought this uh, uh, to trial. What is a little bit confusing to me is it feels like a mixed message. And I know you've, you've, you hashed some of this out yesterday, but, you know, I didn't have a chance. I wanted to weigh in today. It's a little bit of a mixed message, in my opinion, that the judge says, well, the late camp should be responsible for taking care of the costs of the expert witnesses. Why would they be responsible for that, but not responsible for the rest of the legal fees? If the judge decided that it, that the uh, that the late camp brought the the case in good faith, then why would they have to cover any of the any of the costs for the defense? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. It seems it seems contradictory almost. But I also want to throw this out. It, 
I don't think it matters a whole lot uh, if she had had to pay the entire near $700,000 in fees because Lake has been collecting donations and using this lawsuit to collect donations since the day after the election. So it's not like this is coming out of her pocket. It's not like it's coming out of the lawyer's pockets. They're not paying anything. If you made a donation to, to, to the Cary Lake camp, you're paying for it. And if they'd have had to pay the $700,000, you would have been paying that $700,000. And I know you probably, if you've made that donation, you look at that as fighting the evil Democrats who are destroying the country. But really what you're doing is you're, you're paying, you're paying for, you're paying uh, for the state to defend themselves against your lawsuit. And as long as you are paying into it, as long as you're making donations to the late camp or the next one or the next one or whatever else it is, what's ever to stop any losing candidate from ever bringing an election lawsuit so long as the grift pays for it? See, I learned years ago, there's a couple of things I, I don't do uh, professionally or personally. Personally, I don't send money to any candidate. I never do. And I know candidates don't like to hear that. They say, well, we have to have money to win elections. We should do this and we should do that. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. There's enough earned coverage that I can formulate my opinions if I do my research on the the candidates uh, to the best of my ability. I don't need to be giving them money to, to, to put up signs that irritate me on the side of the road. I don't need to be giving them money to run more television commercials nonstop throughout the season. Although you should give them money if they're if they're uh, if they're buying radio ads, that's an important. You should make that donation. But otherwise, no donations to politicians. The other thing I never do professionally, I don't endorse politicians. I'm not hitching my wagon to anybody else. Because, <laughs> how many times do you say I don't trust the politicians? All the time, right? You know, how many times does a, did somebody get elected and you go, I don't trust the politicians? The, the congressional approval rating is in the toilet, always is. And, and we all say, oh, yeah, but I want to give them money. I don't want to give them money, and I don't want to hitch my wagon to them. I don't want my name associated with the people who are not doing the job or potentially will fail at doing the job. So it seems a little disingenuous if I'm endorsing a candidate on the air. Uh, are you going to believe me when I criticize them? Or are you going to believe me when I don't criticize them? Are you going to think, oh, he's in the tank for that person? So I'm just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not there for it. Not there for it. And what uh, is interesting now is that Kerry Lake is appealing uh, the judge's decisions in this election challenge. She's going to appeal these things. I find that uh, quite curious, too, and also not very endearing to the public. I think for many of the the independents and the crossover Republicans that voted for Hobbs, they feel reassured that they made the right choice. Because as we're seeing, the judge said there just isn't evidence. In fact, Chris Mays was on this show yesterday, incoming attorney general was on this show yesterday. Guys, can you play cut eight? This is uh, incoming attorney general Chris Mays. You can't bring an election right. contest if you have no evidence at all that the vote tally would have changed or that there was uh, essentially a fraud in the election. And, of course, there was no evidence of either of those. It, which seems to contradict what, what Lake and the Lake camp was saying on the Twitter machine, that they had the smoking gun evidence. I think we were waiting to see the smoking gun. There just wasn't any smoking gun. We, there was There just wasn't. There was circumstantial situations, 
but certainly nothing that connected those dots. Uh, Dan Barr was uh, is an attorney, and he was on as well. Guys, can you play uh, cut three? He sort of reiterates this. There was never any evidence regarding misconduct by anyone. Uh, there was never any evidence regarding provisional ballots that should have been counted, that weren't counted. It, it's conjecture. And it sounds an awful lot. You ever have that person that is complaining about uh, like their their divorce case and they're like, well, and then uh, he said this and then he started dating someone else. And and then he brought his date home while he had my kids. Okay, I know you don't like it, but it doesn't change the legality of the matter. And we're seeing a lot of that going on right now where there's a lot of just sort of pointing fingers and complaining about the other side, but. No evidence of any actual wrongdoing. Title 42 is carrying a lot of attention. News broke yesterday. We'll give you an update on that and what it means to Arizona. That's next. Chris Merrill in from Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. It's Chris Merrill in for Broomhead today at KTAR. Uh, pleasure being with you. I love this. Uh, I, a couple of things I love. One, I absolutely love uh, being on KTAR. It's uh, it's one of the best stations in the country. In fact, it, 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 2022 is, uh, won the, the award for best station in the country. So it is an honor to be here. And not only that, but uh, uh, Broomhead I consider to be a friend. And so I'm always glad when he can get a little bit of time uh, to himself. The guy is one of the hardest workers you're going to find. So um, kind of a, a double win. A win for me and a win for Broomhead. I love it all the way around. Uh, you just heard in the news as they were talking about uh, Title 42. That's the immigration policy that the Supreme Court uh, says is going to remain in place for now. Um, and I know that there are a number of people that are that are you know claiming this is a big victory, but they're claiming it as a victory, in my opinion, for the wrong reasons. Uh, in fact, guys, can we play that that cut from from uh, Mark Burnovich, Attorney General Mark Burnovich, where he talks about the, the anarchy? Total anarchy. Uh, cut three there, guys. Right now, what we are seeing is anarchy and chaos at our southern border and the Biden administration empowering the cartels. All right. So Brnovich is not speaking as the attorney general. He's not speaking in attorney speak. He's speaking in politician speak. And the reason that that it's easy to deduce this is because he says the Biden administration is empowering the cartels. What? <sighs> okay. One of the big issues I've always had when it comes to immigration and border security is conflating a number of different ailments and then pointing at one um, one cause. So Title 42 was put in place as part of uh, the response to the pandemic. So when that went into place, it was to try to deter uh uh, people crossing the border and then bring COVID into the United States. That was the rationale, right? And understandable. I mean, for Pete's sake, we we're shutting everything down. We're all wearing masks. We're, we've got uh, businesses that are shutting down. So uh, there was justification, right? Whether you agreed with it or dis- disagreed with it, you could see the method to the madness. We're not at that point any longer. That's not to say that there isn't an issue with immigration. Of course there's an issue with immigration. Of course there's an issue with border security. But there's not a health issue with border security. Just to make sure we're starting from the same place, here is the uh, the report that ABC had. And Aaron Katursky um, uh, filed this with ABC. 
talking about the Supreme Court decision and what that means. But I got to give you, I got to share with you some of what people are saying, including Brnovich, uh, that that doesn't necessarily jibe with what the intent of Title 42 was. Uh, there we go. This morning in a blow to the migrants waiting across the southern border, Title 42 remains in place. A divided Supreme Court voting 5-4 to four Tuesday, siding with 19 states who requested that it continue staying the Trump-era policy, which allows officials to quickly expel migrants seeking asylum based on public health concerns until at least next year. Okay, that's an important piece. Title 42 allows for the quick uh, expulsion of people looking for asylum, okay? It's important to recall what what it actually says because it's not what you're hearing from the politicians. In the meantime, we have to enforce it, but I think it's overdue. A sigh of relief for many governors, including Greg Abbott of Texas, who sent busloads of migrants to the vice president's home over the Christmas weekend. The Texas National Guard now building two miles of fences and barricades, and DHS constructing a facility to hold and process a 1,000 immigrants. Meanwhile, states like California, which did not join the legal case, finding services overwhelmed at the border. As Title 42 remained in limbo for months, migrants scrambled to the U.S.-Mexico border, inundating cities and services on both sides. All right. So there's an issue, right? We all agree that there's an issue with uh, with immigration, with border control, all that, that sort of thing. But you start reading the responses, and it doesn't necessarily jibe with what the what title 42 is it's for people who are seeking asylum uh and you've got a, a number of people that are saying well thank goodness because uh illegal immigration is running rampant well asylum seekers are not illegal immigrants title 42 doesn't do anything about people who are crossing the border illegally it helps with people that are crossing the border and seeking asylum but it doesn't it doesn't change when people are trying are, are running across the border and being caught by border patrol. It doesn't change drug trafficking. It doesn't change human trafficking. It has very little effect on any of those things. And so when you have politicians that are saying, well, this Biden the Biden administration is trying to empower the cartels, like Brnovich said. Uh, turning away asylum seekers. It doesn't change the cartel's business model at all. The cartels are still trying to get uh, drugs across the border, including that dirty word that we all hear, fentanyl. If fentanyl's a crisis, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Title 42 is not, or the repeal of Title 42, would not be the reason for additional fentanyl crises. So we tend to conflate these things. And... When you have Mark Burnovich saying things like it's it's insane to want to repeal the, the executive order, the point of the executive order was about COVID. It wasn't about closing the border. It was about asylum seekers and trying to trying to stop people from coming into the country seeking asylum who may be sick. So this push for the executive order is about enacting a border control policy without government action. And that's exactly what the... Uh, Neil Gorsuch and Ketanji Brown Jackson said as well. They said, "Listen, this was set. This was put in place to help with the crisis around COVID uh, COVID nineteen. It's not our job as the Supreme Court to help fix a different crisis. If you want to fix the other crisis, you got to come up with legislation for that crisis. 
You can't just leave something in place long after it's expired simply because you want to solve a different problem, which every politician is telling you isn't solved anyway. Well, hello. So where are, that was like an emphasis on my point. So where are the plans for a solution? Because Title 42 does not have permanence. It will not be on the books forever. And without permanence, you're simply kicking the can down the road. If the Supreme Court rules to leave Title 42 in place for another year, we're going to have the same argument a year from now. Where are the solutions? I think this is going to be incumbent upon the, the incoming Congress to put forth some solutions. We don't have to agree on the solutions, but we got to have some solutions put forth. Instead, what we end up with is finger pointing and everybody raising funds off of the crisis without actually providing a solution. And frankly, the people are tired of it. It's why we keep seeing Congress flip back and forth, uh, not just this topic, but others as well. It's why we keep seeing control of Congress bounce back and forth. We're tired of not having solutions. Time to present something we can use. All right, uh, still to come, uh, news that uh, popped, I think it was late last night, maybe it was this morning I was catching this. It's been 600 years since anyone has held this title, and now he may be expiring. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Chris Merrill, in for Mike Broomhead, that's on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Chris Merrill in for Broomhead today, KTAR, and uh, yeah, uh, puddling water on uh, different places throughout the valley. So please be careful as you are uh, as you're driving. I know I, I always hate when people in media tell, "Well, make sure you're extra careful today," but uh, maybe I won't be so condescending, right? Like you know, water is dangerous. I just want to give you the heads up before you hit it that oh look, this could suck. Here you go. It's more of a more of a heads up and not so much of a directive, all right? Because you know, if I see standing water, I should probably slow down a little. You're smart enough to do that. I always hated when uh, uh, meteorologists would say, well, you're going to want to bring an umbrella today. Oh, because of rain? I had no idea. Oh, thank goodness. No, just tell me it's raining. Yeah, it's raining. Hey, there's water on the roadway. There you go. Uh, it's been 600 years since we've been able to call somebody Pope Emeritus. But in 2013, Pope Benedict XVI, who was probably the uh, the most fun of the the uh, the Benedicts, at least in the teen years, uh, decided to resign, mostly because of his age, and uh, he said he had declining uh, mental and physical uh, abilities, not doing very well. Uh, from ABC News, Inez de la Cutera uh, has this update for us. Italian news agency Ansa reporting that according to qualified sources, Pope Benedict's condition began to worsen in the days before Christmas when he began to suffer from respiratory problems. Pope Benedict is 95 and back in 2013 became the first pope to stand down in 600 years, saying he no longer had the physical and mental strength to run the church. Inez Delicotera, ABC News, at the Foreign Desk. Thank you, Inez. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a downer, I suppose, but only human. Uh, if you had Pope Benedict in your Deadpool for 2022, you, you may still get that that uh, you know, little bump at the end of the year. Although not very many points for a guy that's 95 years old. I do feel bad for him in the uh, mostly because here you've got a guy who who reached the pinnacle of his career. And let's face it, we always think of. Uh, 
of people who are in the clergy is uh, benevolent, but it is a career, and that is the very top of that career. He did it, but then he was only there for eight years, and he had to sort of step away. For people like me, uh, I am 44, I'll be 45 in February, I only recall uh, one other pope prior to him, right? Pope John Paul II. That's the only one I ever recall. Uh, so when when John Paul died uh, in 05, uh, to me, that was a, it was a big deal. Right? I've never known anybody different. It's, I, I remember being a kid when we had President Reagan, and when Reagan was no longer the president, uh, I, I suddenly had to sort of rethink what that meant. My goodness, he's always just been there, right? But I hear I was 10 years old. I didn't remember Carter. I was 10 years old, and he wasn't going to be the president anymore. And I was like, how do we go on after this? He's always just been the president. In the same way, 20, uh, in 2005, I only knew just Pope John Paul. And I was like, now what? And so Benedict takes over. Uh, and then he's gone after only eight years. And so, you know, uh, it's a, it, it was a readjustment for me. Pope Francis doesn't do a whole lot of talking to him, though. Which sort of surprised me, I guess, I feel like if you've got an emeritus hanging around that you could always sort of lean on them. But it sounds like uh, Francis didn't talk with Benedict very often. I would want to use the former pope as a, 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 what do they call it, a consigliere? I would always want to use them and and at least be able to just kind of have somebody to to whine to, right? Oh, can you believe these people? At least the other person would understand it, but... Uh, he, evidently, he didn't take advantage of that very often. All right. We talk about the bad weather here in the Valley. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what that bad weather nationwide has done as so many people are still waiting around for their bags. They're wondering if they're ever going to get their bags back. And if you've seen the photos from airports around the country, I think there's a good chance many of those bags will never see their homes again. Thousands and thousands and thousands of bags stuck in the wrong airports. That and what you might have to deal with uh, this weekend. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR.